Welcome to Gesundheit with Jacobus, Health Talk Radio. Integrating allopathic and all-natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to this beautiful Saturday morning, October 20th, 2018. Looks like the weather is going to be very nice, uh, mid-60s and sunny and it looks like we're going to be sunny the rest of the week and as well as most of next week i'm excited about the show uh, with the two doctors in the studio as we will talk about rejuvenation with the uh, platelet-rich plasma as well as neurocranial restructuring rejuvenation from the inside out and i think that uh, you will totally enjoy what is coming next there's lots of information coming your way from two ladies who are very experienced and very passionate about these topics. So let me tell you a little bit about the program, Gesundheit with Jacobus. I'm your host, Jacobus Hollowein. We are on every Saturday morning from 8 to 11. We're not here to diagnose, treat, or cure as we talk about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles. The purpose of the show has always been education, information, and hopefully some entertainment. Always like to let you know that if you are, uh, don't ask us health questions that we cannot honestly answer. We do the best we can, but we always recommend that you see a physician of your choice after the program. You can see the guests after the show and uh, ask them more questions based on what they taught us today or any day that we do the show. And we always recommend read more information. If you are interested in your health, there's a lot of great information available for you to tap into. So, without further ado, uh, welcome to the program, and let me tell you a little bit about the today's guest. Uh, Dr. Hilary Lampos, I actually went to the website. Uh, good morning to you, by the way. Let me see. Whoop, see, uh, my first mistake. There we go. And you are number two. Go ahead. Good morning. We got you. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Hilary Lampos, actually... I wrote down so much because her life story is on the web, and um, I'll let you tell more about it. Okay. So both Dr. Lampers and Dr. Bacon are from Ele with Elevate Health, which is a clinic at 801 uh, West Main Street that is right across where you come down 8th Street. You hit the building right there, and she is in Suite uh, 1, Suite 1. 1C. 1C. <laughs> so now I got to find out why you are. Talk again, please. Hello. There you go. Maybe you want to turn the microphone like this way. Like that? There you go. Is that better? We hear okay. you. Thank Great. you. Yeah, see, now you know that you don't have your headphones on. You can't you, mm -hmm. you hear yourself. So um, Dr. Hillary was on my show uh, three times, I think. This is the fourth time you're on, and we primarily talked about neurocranial mm -hmm. research, and uh, you were in the studio a few times because you had a, you had a practice over here and you born and raised here, but you moved away. And we heard the other day, back in 1993 already. Yeah, I grew up here, <clears throat> excuse me, in the 80s and 90s, and uh, left in 1993 yeah. to go to the big city of Seattle and uh, have have a little more life experience than Bozeman could yeah. offer me back then. Yeah, good point. Yep, and uh, I became a massage therapist, um, did that for a number of years, and then was introduced. Well, I, I had actually seen a naturopath here in Bozeman. So I was, I knew very well what naturopathic medicine was because at that time we only had 
I believe she was the only naturopath in town, Dr. Willow Moore. Moore. <clears throat> That's right. Well, Susan Kreisberg was, uh, she come right after that. I yeah. Think. Yes. Um, oh. And so I was fortunate enough to work with her on a bunch of health issues I had as a teenager. And she um, re- she introduced me to, to naturopathic medicine. So uh, I moved to Seattle and I, I always liked it. I just didn't really ever think I could actually do it um, mm-hmm. just financially and I felt like I was too old, you know, that kind of thing. Mm, um, I didn't go right out. Of, I went to college for two years at MSU, but not into like pre-med or anything. And so, um, and then I was introduced to the doctor who really was my mentor for many years. And he was a naturopath as well. And so the treatment, the NCR or the neural cranial restructuring, I learned that from him. I worked for him for 10 years. And during that time, that was really when I realized that I I would like to do that treatment, but I had to have a medical license to do it. Um, I felt kind of held back by my degree at the time, was, which was massage therapy. Yeah. Um, and so I was determined to get an education, which I, I started over again at 27. So I was a little bit of a late bloomer. And by the time I got done with all my studies, I think I was 35, almost 36. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, Got that my degree is indeed at that relatively year. old for, for medical school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But and, this is a long study, by the way, because I was reading both of your uh, work and history and naturopathic school at, at six years. It depends on the length of program you take. So I did mine in four. Four, okay. Um, it can be up to six, especially if you take another. Uh, if you do another specialty like acupuncture, midwifery, Chinese herbs, uh, you can do that. I did get my undergrad there as well in mm. nutrition, yeah. natural health sciences. I got my bachelor's there at Bastier. And uh, then I did the four-year naturopathic program. And that was mainly because one, I didn't have children, for one. <laughs> um, I had good support from my husband who worked mm-hmm. um, and allowed me to go to school full-time. And I was really gung-ho about working, and I felt like I just wanted to get it over and done with so that I could get out in the field and work. I Um, understand. I do notice that a lot of people stretch their programs out to five, maybe six years. I did did five. Yeah, five years was actually the more typical. Four years was pretty much like a five-year program. You just didn't have summers off. Yeah. So it was a little bit... It was stressful and ridiculous and <laughs> the four is I, insane i mean i felt yeah. like the five was insane yeah <laughs> and it was not i i don't i mean i look back on it and i absolutely feel fortunate now that i did it and that i had that work ethic mm-hmm. something my parents instilled in me very young is like yeah. if you want something you have to work for it nothing's free and maybe i came from that we came from that generation as well and I feel like we're kind of the sandwich generation. So I'm in my mid forties. We remember life before technology. And then the other half of our life, we lived with technology. So we had to learn and adapt to technology. Yes. And quickly Mm -hmm. when I was young and a teenager, um, you had to have a job. You had to work. You needed to make money. You needed to pay your car insurance or buy clothes or that's how it was in my family. And so, I learned my mother was a hard worker. She still works here in Bozeman. She's a hairdresser. Oh, right. Yeah, she's been cutting hair here for, you know, 35 years. Yeah, yeah. And, um, 
you know, I just learned good work ethic. So that was back in the time too, where it was like, you actually had to go out and get like a job. Mm-hmm. Whereas now technology allows for so many um, various different types of ability to make income. Correct. Which we didn't really have back then. No, no, so no. I learned kind of this, uh, if you want something, you have to work really hard, almost like physically, you know? And right, so right, right. to me, once I made that decision to go to school, uh, I was willing, I could see the outcome. And so I was, I was really um, willing to do that. Yeah. It wasn't easy. And now when I look back on it, honestly kind of the way you sacrifice your health and you sacrifice yourself and your family and your marriage and luckily i didn't have children but i've had friends we have friends in school who did have children and oh my gosh it's a it's a difficult road but once you get done and you know 11 years later i looked back on it i'm so glad i did it but um, absolutely it's uh it was definitely a process and i think youth there's something about being younger that kind of helps you physically get through it. But I feel Mm -hmm. like doing it at the age that I did it, I had a lot more respect for it because I was paying for it. And my husband and I were both working towards that goal. So I had a, I feel like I had a lot more dedication than when I was 19 going to MSU, trying to figure out my life and working at the pickle barrel and the ski hill and (laughs) not really caring about my grades kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) I actually lived in a, so if you live in Bozeman, you know the trailer park on Durston. Yeah. That used to be kind of the end of town, right? That's right. It was Durston, a gravel road. Durston mm-hmm. went out and it was kind of the end of the town. And that trailer park that's still there, they've yeah. just built around it. I'm so surprised. Yes. <laughs> um, I, You know, me and my boyfriend, high school sweetheart, lived in that trailer park. And yeah. um, that was one of the places where I just kind of realized that if I don't, that I wanted to do bigger things with my life. And even though I loved Bozeman and I love that, it was like, that was kind of the place I made the realization that I needed to leave. And so mm. the making that decision is actually, I would have never been a naturopath had I not made that decision. But I, I find it so funny when I drive by that trailer park on Durston that's now surrounded by beautiful condos and, you know, businesses that... um that was the kind of the place that I made that decision. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's really a powerful statement. There are indeed certain moments in our lives that we will always remember mm-hmm. that something changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that we, you know, we realized that had we not taken that step then, or or all of a sudden you have this clear vision about something you need to do, and you stake with it. It's almost like you, you know the path you need to follow, and you just follow it. Right. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes you are actually being fooled by something you don't understand yet. Yeah, um, I was mm-hmm. always, a, and I've talked about this a bit on my podcast, so my husband and I have a podcast. Yeah, we'll talk about it. We, yeah. I, I feel like there's three types of people, and I guess you can be a mix of these different three types of people, <laughs> but there's a past dweller, a present dweller, and a future dweller. Mm-hmm. And I... Definitely my entire life, even my mother, say as a child, I mean, Mm -hmm. I've always been a future dweller. I see. I have always been moving towards the future. So it's interesting to look back on my past. I don't really look back to the past. I guess, you know, I'm not one of those people who dwells on the past. Um, Even whatever traumatic incidences I had or situations, that's never really driven me to... um, to go forward, it's like I'm always looking into the future and what the future holds, 
which is really good if you want to be motivated and you can see kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. But it can also be a hindrance when you need to slow down and you need to take care of yourself and you need to be more in the present. Mm. And so, um, and my husband and I joke about it because he's a present dweller. He's very good at the present. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it can be difficult to live with a future dweller. Mm. Uh and it can be hard to live with a present dweller when you're a future dweller. Yes. So um, you have to learn as you get older, I guess, to compromise on those. And I think a well-rounded person is somebody who can kind of go in between all those and, you know, learn from them and stuff like that. But um, as I get older, my job now is to really I'd like to become more present. I still don't really care that much about the past, but I like learning about the past, which is interesting because before I was going to be a physician, I wanted to be a history teacher. Oh, interesting. And yeah, isn't that yeah. funny? History that is. is the past and that the stories is. that we know from yeah. the past. And that's always greatly interested in me. But as far as my life goes, it's not really something that he holds me back. Yes. It's my history. So. It's great to have you back. Thanks. It really is. Not just to have <laughs> you back in the studio, but have you back in town. Thanks. Yeah. I Bozeman has always been home. You know, it's one of yeah. those things wherever you go, I'm sure you have a place like that in your life. It's like everywhere you go. It doesn't really matter. It's like once you come back there, that's home. Yeah. And Bozeman is just, Montana in general, just has always been that place for me. Yeah. And I haven't and I lived here for 26 is. years now. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since I lived but here. But I see this with other uh, people. I see it in my case with my son who mm. moved back in mid-August also. And so many of his friends that he knows have either moved back right after school or they are moving back. They have little families and they feel that Bozeman is the place they want to be at. They want to raise their child or children. And so it is a, um, it is, it is nice to, I've always felt with Bozeman, it's, it's big enough that you have your privacy, Mm -hmm. but it is small enough that you always run into familiar faces Mm -hmm. Or people you know in different spots. I know that face. I know mm-hmm. I've seen that person before. And I like that. I'm I, I like that. You know, it's funny because I think one of the reasons I left Bozeman, uh, because back in the early nineties, it, it was like everywhere you went, you knew people. Everybody knew your business. Every I mean, my mom knew things that I wasn't supposed to be doing in high school before I knew it because she cut parents' hair. Like she'd come home and so I heard so-and-so and I'd be like, what, how'd you know that? You know, um, so it's changed a lot, but it yeah. is still small enough where yeah. you can still see people that you know. And it's funny, I guess that whole future past dweller, it's like, I couldn't wait to get to a place where nobody knew who I was. Mm-hmm. And again, that's my future self. I want to be there and be this. And I don't want to be held back by all these people I know that aren't going anywhere. But now... I think that was a bit of a detriment to me because I left and I did lose a lot of my friends and I didn't keep in touch and I didn't do that. And so I think that it's nice to be back and see old faces and be in a place in my life where I'm like, wow, you know, I think it's important to cultivate those friendships again and stuff Mm -hmm. and to be with my mom and to just um, be in a place that, I don't know, it's so easy here. If folks live in the city and you live in traffic and you live uh, in Seattle in the rain, um, Boy, it's just it's just so nice to be in a, a slower, quieter, um, sunny place. <laughs> yes. Well, you've known it all. <laughs> Dr. Bacon, good morning to you. Good morning. Nice to have you back. It's nice to be back. Yeah, Thank it's you. been, uh, I think we were looking, uh, if I was looking last night or this morning, and it's been 
two years ago that you were here. I, I guess you're right. I was thinking like, just that just short. like maybe a year ago? Probably no, not even that long no. ago, but I guess time just flies by. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. <laughs> well, I, I got some things for you also what you do, but uh, go ahead and use some time to explain people who you are and what yeah, you do. You, well, ha- you started the clinic, so I want to make sure that people understand that. Yeah, so um, three years ago, literally this month, Oh, um, my husband and I made the decision to start a clinic together and, um, we opened Elevate Health on November 2nd, 2015. So pretty crazy that we're coming up on three years and really cool to look back and see what we've grown Uh and how things have changed. Um, my husband is the business brains behind the operation. He makes sure everything runs smoothly and built our website, does all our marketing. I mean, he's really quite amazing and we could not do it without him so we um we started the business together and and then i am one of the physicians at the practice and i do predominantly naturopathic primary care um and then some regenerative medicine um and a whole bunch of old school and new school yes (laughs) naturopathic medicine you know which i think you say primary care and you think colds and flus but really when you're into naturopathic medicine it's about rebuilding the gut and healing the brain and making sure the nervous system is balanced and mm-hmm. looking at the endocrine mm-hmm. system. And it's, it's awesome. I am glad I do it. <laughs> well, I was reading on your website, everything you had to do, the prerequisite classes and years that you yeah. did, both of you were two years or four years. And then you had to do chemistry, biochemistry, biology, yeah. all that stuff. And you go, do I still really use all of that? Oh my really? gosh. I was you just really saying, the, oh really? yeah. Okay. The oh, other yeah. day I was just saying, I'm so glad I took so much math. <laughs> like you'd have to take so much math. I needed to math. take more math. <laughs> you need to take more math. Yeah. 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 I feel like I use the math I learned in my undergrad and graduate <laughs> school on a daily basis. And really? chemistry. I mean, you need a lot of that chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. I was a theater major. <laughs> so it was yeah, quite a like rude enough. awakening. <laughs> Like, oh my gosh, I haven't taken a single. I had taken C++ because I was like, how far can I get from everything I had to do in high school? Yes. So it was. But you have your own little lab uh, at the clinic, right? Yeah, we have a lab because we do a lot of blood I remember that. I was there a few years ago and uh, I remember that run room behind your Yeah, and actually we've expanded. So we now have a new lab, which I'm really proud of. Sometimes I just walk in it and look around. Wow. Um, it but, is nice. I will verify that. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, it was pretty exciting. It was, we started expanding into the front of the building we're in and my husband and I were trying to decide like how much do we expand? Cause we rent part of that, uh, that space out. Okay. And, um, I was like, can I please have the lab? Can I have the little, <laughs> and it was, we decided that was a good, a good move. But yeah, mm-hmm. we, we process a lot of, um, body sample, you know, fluid samples, saliva, urine and blood. Um, especially for the the platelet-rich plasma, which we'll talk about later. So we yeah. need a, a clean, safe space that is just for that. And so that's awesome that you can do that on your own. You don't yeah. have to send it out and uh, wait for the results. You have complete control. Yeah. Well, most things, as far as processing of blood, we do still send out, but we have to process them before we send them out, sure. so that they're in the sure. right um, medium and everything. But yeah, it's cool. I get mm. to. I really love chemistry, so I feel like that gets to be my little bit of like. Yeah. Yeah. Scientist. I just I just knew how to make something smell like rotten eggs. That's I love it. about it. <laughs> well, you're looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I remember. You only one thing I remember from chemistry class. Yeah. Yep. It's a gift to me. Yeah. It's a gift to be able to 
to understand uh, the math and the biology and the chemistry and physics. That's uh, I not, really wish. I mean, when you start learning biochemistry, which is chemistry of the of the body, yeah, you really wish that they were teaching children biochemistry. Um, Seriously, if if people understood more the biochemical processes that go into energy metabolism and the processing of the carbohydrate, fat, and protein that you eat, right. Um, I really feel that people would make more conscious, healthier decisions in their life. Mm. Not that we don't all stray and enjoy ourselves and, you know, moderation is key, of course. But yeah, and so many people do not even have the basics, just the basics of 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 how your body's utilizing food for for life and for energy. And um, I just I feel like it, it would be so it would just change population hmm. if we started because you know children are just their brains are just like sponges and they learn these things so easily i know you're right and you're like oh, a child can't learn biochemistry it's like a child could learn a language yes. they could definitely learn biochemistry and you would i mean it's just a i think it's a when you start when you realize how important those things are and i just wish that we had more i we gotta totally go we gotta take a break oh yeah Sorry. yeah music is playing this is Gesundheit with Jacobus, uh, Dr. Hilary Lampos, Dr. Bronwyn Bacon, studio guest today. Uh, when we come back, we're going to really hit all the topics. Stay tuned, please. We have a full agenda. We want to talk about rejuvenation and maybe what uh, both of you can start talking about what is going on. Not, not only is there a uh, always a drive to look and feel younger, but you can see with the tremendous influx in diets today that people are trying to figure out how they can slow down the aging process. Yeah. I think we hear that a lot. Even if people aren't coming in saying, I want to age slower, they, a lot of people say, well, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 40. So of course this is happening. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we hear that all the time. Yeah. I mean, I think aging is one of these things that obviously is going to happen to everybody and it's not anything you can avoid unless you don't live, to, <laughs> <That's it. laughs> unless you don't live long enough to age. Yes. Um, yes. But today there is so much research and so much, uh, so many therapies that, um, a lot of them aren't new therapies. They've been used in the medical field for a long time, but maybe in different arenas. So okay. not necessarily the anti-aging oh, arena. All right. But I I think that um, these things are becoming more common. They're more accessible to patients now. And, you know, we were just talking at breakfast this morning about how old my grandparents seemed when I was the, so the age I am now in my yeah. mid-40s. yeah. I was alive and I was, you know, really young and my grandparents were my age. And I just remember them seeing, seeming so old. Mm. Um, I don't know, maybe because I was a child or whatnot, but it's true. Like people in their 40s and 50s and 60s, for a lot of people, that's really almost the, kind of the beginning of their life, right? Yeah. They yeah. Or new stages of their life. Yeah. There's older people like me having young children. You yes. need to stay young and vibrant and active if you have young children. Mm-hmm. And then there's folks like you that have grandchildren now and you want to stay young and vibrant for yeah. those grandchildren. Yeah. And uh, there's just, a, I think, a bit of a different mota- uh, mentality today about aging mm-hmm. itself. And so how can we regenerate um, in a way that improves quality of life, not necessarily 
lifespan, but health span. Oh yeah. Good yeah. point. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we get, we can, I mean, there's lots of fun things we're going to talk about today that are going to sound like really fancy therapies and we love mm-hmm. doing them and they're really fun. But I think it's easy to get away from the basics and how important the foundation of health is and what influence that has on aging, you know, that you're eating a healthy diet, that you're drinking clean water, that you get good sleep, that you're having good relationships, that you're enjoying yourself and playing, that you're getting stress reduction, that you're exercising and moving. I mean, those things are paramount. You 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 can take anybody and do these therapies we're going to talk about, and if they don't have that foundation, they're not going to respond as well, and they're not going to have the same... Um, effect and they're just not going to be as healthy in general there are certain things that a therapy can do but you need to lay do take care of some of the groundwork yeah and the and the real key i think to aging gracefully and staying young is that foundation Mm -hmm. you know I, i i see a lot of people in my office i can tell how well they're living just by looking at them you know, a lot of times, you know, mm. we have illness that comes in that can really age you people. Bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot of times, you know, if someone's not eating well, if someone's not sleeping, I mean, you see that. You see that in their in their skin, in their eyes, yeah. in the way they carry themselves. Yeah. yeah, and eventually you see it in their biochemistry. Yeah, like we definitely. Talked about before. <laughs> um, it's the basics cannot be ignored. You know, uh, Dr. Bacon mentioned earlier, you know, gut health. Uh, we are, I mean, I mean, conventional medicine now is starting to recognize that gut health foundationally is wh- where everything begins and where everything mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. ends, basically. Right. And uh, naturopaths have been talking about this since our inception. We've been saying yeah. everything starts in the gut. Yeah. And if you... If you don't work on that, if you don't heal that, if you don't get rid of infection that's there, if you don't address the factors in the gut, you can just keep throwing supplements and medications and diets at people, and they're not going to get as, uh, they're not going to get the long term benefits that they're going to get when you address their gut. Mm-hmm. And now modern science and even conventional doctors are saying, hey, you know they're recognizing things like leaky gut even just 10 years ago if you talked about leaky gut yeah the medical establishment would laugh at you yes um and now it's like new science that everybody has leaky gut it's like it's really not new it's no. just that the science is, is really um backing up the you fact feel that the, your gut is the foundation you feel yeah. the patients have educated the doctors by going in and saying, well, you know, for sure, Doctor Google yeah. too does yeah. a lot for people in yeah. good ways and in bad ways. But uh, people are more educated. the The average consumer nowadays is very savvy. So mm. the a- average patient coming into you has pretty much researched every single symptom that they have before they've even come to see you. Yeah. Um. And the problem with it is that it's all over. It's overwhelming for most people. Again, right. if you don't have biochemistry knowledge if you don't even have basic anatomy if um i mean it's overwhelming so that's why you need yeah. somebody who yeah. does under those standards to guide you through to help that. you yes. right you need a coach per se or whatever again which is why why fields like health coaching have become so popular because mm-hmm. the truth is people need help and you don't always need to go to a physician per se yeah sometimes us physicians will figure out the underlying thing and then we're like you need to get someone to help you like a nutritionist or a counselor or a coach or somebody who can walk you through doing this because we understand it 
healing your gut isn't really all that easy, but it's also not that hard, but you do need help, you know? Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I think foundationally the, that basic thing and then sleep, I think she mentioned sleep. That is probably to me the second biggest problem. I would say a large majority of the population is sleep deprived and has been for a very long time and yeah. thinks it's normal and thinks it's okay. And that, you know, and definitely if you're like in our shoes and you're an entrepreneur and you own businesses and you're driven and like me, the future dweller, sleep is kind of something you just do because you have to. You have to. And you realize mm -hmm. as you get older, that's not really working so well for your brain. Um, it's not making you more productive. It's actually probably counterproductive. Mm -hmm. And so getting people who've been very driven or haven't slept well to actually learn that sleep is their friend that can take coaching and education as well, right? So Right. Um, well, and it's paramount to to good health. I mean, there is yeah. the mounting evidence right now of increased risk for cancer and heart disease mm -hmm. and obesity and I mean, I could depression, I could list a million conditions that have been associated with lack of sleep. Absolutely. And yes. and we see it I think in our practice all the time and I feel like a lot of people uh, just don't realize they come in and like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I don't sleep. I haven't slept since I had kids." Yeah, I don't poop every day. I haven't done that for years. It's like these things that are like really key elements of assessing health. People just think it's normal. Because, yes, they've had it for so long. Right. Exactly. Well, and also it doesn't get addressed when they go to the doctor. Yeah. Like no one asks them if they're eliminating. No one asks them if they're sleeping. No one asks them hardly what they're eating. Yes. Or what, if they're drinking water. Yes. I mean, these really basic. And it's not always easy either. I, I saw a really awesome quote recently on Facebook that said, uh, self-care is not um, just getting a pedicure or going to a spa. It's, it's self-preservation. It doesn't have to be a luxury. It's yeah. really about just taking care of yourself. Yeah. And that's not always fun. Like no. we don't always enjoy, you know, eating our greens, mm -hmm. but we need to. Yes. Well, there's a different mentality too here in the United States around uh, healthcare and preventative medicine and that yeah. Again, in a lot of cases, people think that it is just a luxury. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't afford that. I can't go to a naturopath. Um, I can't afford to go to a spa and get all these treatments. I can't afford to do all that. In a lot of cases, people just don't do it. I can't afford organic food. I can't afford, you know, there's just a list of things people, and it's true. You probably can't. Most people can't afford it. Mm -hmm. But it's also part of the culture in which we've, we make people believe that these things are a luxury. When, um, if, I mean, obviously you're from Europe and you've seen probably the spa quote unquote life in Europe or Bavaria and Austria and these places, it's not a luxury. It's a lifestyle. People are sweating. They're, they're going in the water. They're using, um, mud and their, uh, salt and all these things as therapies and they do it routinely and it's kind of part of their life and they mm -hmm. grow up with it. And, um, I mean, I worked in a hospital in Russia and they had no money and they treated thousands of children with res respiratory disorders with mud, water, uh, electro stim, acupuncture, mm. massage, mm. diet. Mm. And it was a hospital. And it, it, this is what these, these children were being healed with. And that's because they didn't have money for all the expensive diagnostic tools that we have here. They didn't have the money for the drugs. They don't have the money for that. So they were using what they know and what has worked. Mm -hmm. And um, a totally different concept around healthcare.
Yeah. And so mm-hmm. looking at these things just as luxuries mm-hmm. is actually a hindrance to us. And also, too, I guess the price could be a hindrance to people, too, because the prices make it only, you know, for people who can afford it. But I think that changing our idea of what actual long-term health care is and how we can utilize it in our own life and be more self-sufficient. We have Dr. Hilary Lampers and Dr. Bronwyn Bacon in the studio with Elevate Health in Bozeman. Uh, the number at the, at the clinic is 219-3631. 219-3631. You can also go to the website and read more about both doctors at um, Elevate Health MT for Montana. ElevateHealthMontana.com. And uh, you find uh, the therapies, explanations, little video clips, uh, more about the doctors, how to contact them, etc. So uh, while you're at it, uh, check that out. I, as you both are talking about it, of course we're talking about aging, so I should actually stay with aging. But I wanted to make a comment. It seems that uh, as far as Europe is concerned, the way I grew up, and maybe part of it is was Europe was rebuilding after the war. Mm-hmm. So in a way, people are free. They want everything. But at the same time, they knew what it was to not have any money, not have no food, constantly live in fear. I found that uh, uh, the way I grew up was moderation, a lot of moderation, no extremities, not, not too crazy, not too stupid, you know, just just do normal. It's a saying in the Dutch, just, just be normal, just do normal, you know, that's crazy enough. And uh, you don't see excessive eating. Um, they're very regimented. There's breakfast at about 7.38, 7.38 o'clock because kids have to go to school. And then you would have lunch. You come home for lunch. And then unless you're in high school, then you take your lunch. And then you have dinner at 6. It's funny that many times you would go out on the street around 6 o'clock. There's no cars driving because people are all eating. And then you also would have doctors that would actually come to your house, you know, the country doctors, not, I mean, I was living in a, in a, in a town, 125,000 people, but it is a, um, the doctor would literally come to your house, house visits. And it seems like they had a lot of common sense. They just said, well, this is what you need. Just go ahead and put a compress over here and do a little bit of that and take one of these. And it seems very simple and call me in the morning, you know, now it seems very complicated. People go to doctors and say, eh, I don't know what I can do. And I don't know if it has to do with the United States, with the fear of lawsuits that people say, you did something to me and I got to sue you. Or what it is that that everything has to be tested, 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 tested. And people go like, well, I just came for a visit. I kind of in a press over here. It hurts over there. I just want to know what this is. And they don't really get those answers. Is that? Do you recognize what I'm saying? Yeah. Or do you feel that there's still a lot of common sense? I feel, I mean, I think it depends on who you go to see, even within the conventional world. I mean, I think there's this, I, you know, I didn't didn't go to conventional medical school, so I don't want to speak too much of what that experience is. But I have interfaced with lots of MDs and DOs, and I feel like a lot of that, a lot of that has been taken out of their education. I mean, I have a really memorable experience when I was in my residency working at a community clinic with an MD who was also a resident. And the patient said, I heard I could take apple cider vinegar for heartburn. Why is that? And the MD said, well, you know, I think this is a better question for her. And so I answered the question. We left the room and the MD looked at me and she goes, 
And all I did was explain the basic biochemistry of the stomach in a very like, you know, and she said, I didn't learn that. And it was the basics of just how our bodies produce stomach acid. And I think that, you know, I think our medical schools are very good. They teach a lot of really important, you know, things. It's not that we're creating uneducated people, but I do think some of the basics just get left out. Yeah. Well, the basics are the hardest. Mm -hmm. So every, I mean, who doesn't want to just take a supplement and have their problem go away? Who doesn't want to just uh, go to the doctor and, you know, get a medication and have their problem go away? I mean, that's what we all want. We have busy lives. We have things to do. We don't have time to sit around for pain and depression or Mm -hmm. whatever we have going on. But um, the basics are actually the hardest. And again, back to people need help with that stuff. And the medical establishment, unless you're working with somebody who's conscious of that and can give people that coaching long term, those seem to be the hardest things for people to change. And and that's where um, there's a lot of self-discipline that comes into changing your lifestyle. And I always tell patients, listen, I'm just a facilitator. I can run all these expensive tests on you. I can run diagnostic tests because even naturopathic, you know, we're doing that. And diagnostic yeah. tests are, there's so many of them now. You, you run a test on everything. Mm-hmm. The question is, what are you actually going to do about it? And what is the treatment? And what is the person going to actually take home and utilize that's going to help this? Mm-hmm. That's, if, if it was so easy and it was like, oh, you have a statin deficiency, here you go, and all your problems will be solved. Um, that unfortunately has been the mindset for many years. And we realize now that all of these things that don't, require people to do the basic things mm-hmm. they're side effects they don't they're not long term going to fix the problem right and so this right. is where um personal responsibility as well as um you know understanding some of these basics that they are the hardest though for people to do exercise diet and sleep yes. well like, and the can there's not the time you go exactly. to the doctor you're there for 10 minutes I mean, the structure that we've created around healthcare does not facilitate health. It facilitates a quick fix that's a pill so that, I mean, that doctor is expected to come in the room, assess what's going on, make a recommendation, and jump to the next room. Yeah. And they don't even do their own vitals. I mean, there's all these things that they don't even have the time to do those things. The nurse is doing those. Yes. And so, I mean, it's not inherently even, I think, the physician's fault. They don't have any time. You, You don't just tell someone eat this way. I can't tell you how many patients I do. A lot of weight loss patients come in and they say, yeah, I went to my other doctor and they said, you're fat. You need to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Like they already know that they're overweight. They know they need to lose weight. That does nothing for them. But that's all the time that that poor doctor has to even, I mean, that's not a necessarily kind thing to say to somebody, but I'm just saying like they don't have enough time. Have a nice day. Yeah. (laughs) I've heard that over and over again. I tell patients the system is not set up for you or the physician. It's not set up for me unless you want to pay me the money to sit here with me an hour and a half, which is what our patients do. Um, The system is not set up for either of us. It's not set up unless I see 40 people a day to cut, to, to, to fill my quotas. And it's not set for you to get the attention you need. And and that's unfortunate because I always say, I don't think anybody goes through the stress of medical school, through the stress of residency, internship, whatever, specialties, clinics, overhead, to, unless they want to help people mm-hmm. right and and patients need help and they need guidance and I, I think that the system is not set up for either of us and that's why very interesting i feel that naturopaths we can fill that void for a lot of people and 
you know, a lot of medical doctors are changing their tune and they're doing functional medicine and which I feel like functional medicine is kind of like naturopathic medicine, yeah, you're but right. they didn't learn any of that stuff in no, school. And so no. now they're becoming functional medicine practitioners and they're allowed to see eight patients a day instead of 40. And they're allowed to prescribe nutrition. And, um, you know, I just read a study last night, um, in, uh, Shetland, I think is Scotland. Yeah. They just okayed it for physicians to prescribe nature for their patients. <laughs> That's awesome. They mm. can pre- they can do prescriptions to tell their patients, you need to walk so many times a week, you need to go out in nature, you need to, yeah. um, and they are actually, the medical system is allowing for those, for mm. those um, treatments. Yeah. And if you don't do billable procedures here, um, in a lot of cases, you're not filling your quotas. Well, and, and I so, think that's kind of part of it. Like you to become a fun- functional medical doctor or to be a naturopathic doctor to operate this, what we're talking about, you have to create that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why my husband and I built the clinic that we built because I can't practice the way I want to practice unless I make it myself. And my colleagues can't practice unless we make it ourselves and we create it for each other because the current paradigm of medicine does not facilitate it at all. Mm. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. I think, therefore, the whole debate on healthcare that's going on in this country and in, in the federal government right now, it's so big that you have so many different angles to look at it. It's 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 not that easy. And I know in Europe um, there is more universal healthcare, but it is not. You're still going to have to take care of yourself, mm-hmm. you know. First of all, and I and I find that many people live with the idea that they're never going to die. And they can do this. Yeah, I used to be able to do that. Let me try it again. Oops, that didn't work. You know, now I broke something. Uh, but we we keep pushing the envelope until something goes wrong. And then we hope that somebody is out there. And even usually when you live here, you have to go. You say, well, I got to go to Cleveland. Or there is a real good doctor in Phoenix. And the people in Phoenix say, oh, we need to go to Los Angeles. And we need to go to Seattle. I mean, people always think that the farther away you go, you have better physicians, and that's baloney. We have great physicians here, both naturopathic. We got a lot of naturopathic physicians and medical doctors, but the bottom line is it needs to be stimulated. People still have this feeling that doctors know it all, and we need to have, in my opinion, more doctors that stimulate people to start taking care of themselves. Well, yeah, and I think people go years not taking care of themselves, and then they have symptoms 15 years in, and they come in and they say, what can I do, and I want to feel better tomorrow? I would love to be able to say, yes, you can feel better tomorrow, but it's going to take probably months, if not years, to really get you back to where you were 15 years ago. Right. Plus, when you haven't done, when you do certain things, so you haven't done it for years, and now you are 50, right? Then you say, well, I used to be able to do this. People come in and they talk to me too, saying, I always used to be able to do this, but now I do it and it really hurts. And I said, you know, a lot of things have changed in your life that are not the same anymore so you cannot just expect that your body there is a difference between the mind and the body and i said if your body doesn't respond to something you need to fix and um you know they they have a hard time accepting the fact that they are getting older and that certain things are not part of the repertoire anymore so mm-hmm. anyway and aging just kind of insidiously happens yes yeah <laughs> insidious to all That's of us right. <laughs> all right we're going to take another break uh, at the end of the first hour doctors hillary lampers and dr bronwyn bacon with me in the studio from elevate health please stay tuned we have two more great hours coming your way 
Appreciate you tuning in. We'll be right back. We have a combination of topics. Uh, Dr. Hilary Lampos is an expert in neurocranial restructuring, NCR therapy. And we have had on the show in the past, many of you, well, I don't even remember everything about that show, so I'm sure that you don't have remember everything. So, oh, wait, I got to turn the microphone on. Good morning to you both. Yeah. I don't remember everything, but I know some highlights that I've tell, told customers to just get a hold of you in Seattle. And I said, it's going to be worth the trip because mm-hmm. she can really work with you in a few days and change things up. And um, um, I ran out of business cards, and so I had to go uh, find my, find your number. And uh, <laughs> but anyway, well, that is one more. That. You're welcome, and that's one more reason I'm so happy that you're back in town, because there is a lot of people who are quite a few people that I know who could really benefit from that specific treatment. Mm-hmm. So there's more that you do, and we're going to talk about it today. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that is uh, that is one thing. I maybe maybe you can explain it because sure. then we can incorporate it into the whole mix of what we are discussing today. Sure. So I started. Uh, the, I was introduced to the treatment. I was introduced to the treatment, like I said, uh, as a patient in the late 90s because I suffered with headaches for most of my life. And I think that's an understatement. Yeah, understatement. Migraines. Yeah, well, I didn't actually have classic migraine. I, I thought had, you did all the time. I didn't. I had classic head pressure. So okay. I describe it as having like a vice grip on my head all the time. Oh. Um, and there'd be different levels of it. And obviously when I did see Dr. Moore and I changed my diet and I had a bunch of like other stuff going on, they did get somewhat better. Um, I was introduced to him actually through my hairdresser and I went and saw him as a patient and I had the treatments done and they just radically changed my life. And so I started working with him and traveling with him and training doctors with him and really had about 10 years or more of I guess like a residency and apprenticeship where I Mm -hmm. worked with him specifically. And then I went through school and I got out and I opened a practice. Um, I was obviously living in Washington. So I worked there and then I grew up here. So I was coming back to Montana and doing that. I know you did some of those. I remember people who went to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Until 2014 uh, because I had a second baby and it just got hard to go back and forth. Yes. But the neurocranial restructuring is a, Traditionally, the the biggest complaints that I see with it is a chronic breathing disorder, um, and that can include anything from a history of head traumas, uh, facial fractures, broken nose, uh, deviated septum, um, sleep apnea. Um, I don't know. There's so many breathing disorders these days. I feel like so many people can't breathe through their nose properly. I also see a lot of people that have had surgery in the past and maybe it wasn't successful for them. And so we can help to change the um, upper airway. Yes. Um, I do work with some ENTs as well, you know, who are a little bit um, more progressive and less about taking everything out and, and, and working with patients dietarily and lifestyle while wise as well, because we do know that breathing disorder again can be influenced by the basics. So yeah. your environment and what you're eating. And uh-huh. I mean, I don't know if you have dust mite allergy or whatever. There's so many different aspects. And and traditionally, I'm seeing people that are coming in. They've tried everything else. They've maybe even done a surgery or two. Or they've been told they need a surgery. And so we try to um, change it that way. Mm-hmm. I do a ton of headache. I do a lot of migraine. Uh, and then kind of like pain. 
body pain would be the one, the car accident, injury. I do work with head trauma, um, post-concussion, that kind of stuff. And so... But I also know you work, uh, many people who have had the treatment, they grow an inch or so. Yeah, uh, so Their face becomes more symmetrical yeah. because of injuries. And uh, so a nice I've side seen amazing effect, pictures. Yeah, so a nice side effect of it is, is that for some weird reason, your neurological system wants some symmetry. It prefers symmetry. Um, and so what it does is it does help facial features. It helps facial symmetry. and as well it can help postural changes and postural, postural changes it, postural symmetry so we don't make you grow per se but as no. we start to again age we do lose height um i do, i always tell patients you know your biggest obstacle is gravity so from the time you start weight bearing till the time you actually die gravity mm -hmm. is the biggest influence on your structural body yeah. and then if you add on to that traumas and life in general stress and um, you know, activity that we all do and that we need to do to keep our bodies healthy. Yeah. That can compound these things. So sometimes it's like giving your 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 body some space and giving you some of that space back. Um, I I I gotta tell you. Well, you know, I'm sure you know the story. Uh, I I somebody had heard you on the radio and decided to go to you yeah. here in Bozeman, and uh, they brought a 16 year old daughter to you, and you worked on her. And uh, the big change that they saw with her was that she started cl cleaning her room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <said> so awesome. <laughs> she thing. was so much nicer and uh, she started cleaning up her room every day. Yeah. I, so I don't know how you do it, but. Uh, uh, well, you know, I my. Think, I think you're welcome in many households there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's brain function, right? So yeah. as we improve cerebral spinal fluid and we change the dynamic of that. Um, we can help to saturate parts of the brain that maybe you're having a hard time with that. So well, explain to us what from, it is because it is fascinating. When I heard you explain yeah. it a long time ago and you gave in a store uh, at the beginning of when we opened the store, you gave a lecture and it has to do with the sphenoid bone. I never heard about it, but you mentioned there yeah. are 26 bones in the body. In the, in the yeah, so there's 21, there's 21 heads. There's 21 heads. There's 21 or 22 bones in the head and 19 of them attached to the sphenoid bone. The sphenoid bone is the big bone in the middle of your head. Uh, the only place externally you can touch it is your temples. So we the call temples, temples, right, but right, right. If you touch both your temples, that's actually one large bone. And it looks from the top, it looks like a almost like a butterfly. Yeah, we idea. call it the butterfly bone. And yeah. so um, it it's right in the center of the head. The um, the pituitary gland sits on top of it. Oh, really? So it's the cella turcica, and it's right at the base oh, wow. of the midbrain or the huh. um, limbic system and so uh that brain that bone they found initially through osteopathy um osteo osteopaths were the original cranial doctors they um their their forefathers and founders uh, like dr sutherland he defined what's called the primary respiratory mechanism and and he said that that is the um that is the blood-brain barrier, right? The cerebral spinal fluid within there, the meningeal system, the sphenoid bone, and the sacrum, and how they work to pump cerebral spinal fluid up around your brain and down. Wow. And that every time you take a breath, your head moves. So there's this primary respiratory mechanism that's happening when you actually use your respiratory system to breathe. Right, right. And as we know, this is a finely regulated system with, with the blood-brain barrier, 
Um, we know that if things are crossing the blood-brain barrier, right, that, mm-hmm. I mean, there's good things that cross the blood-brain barrier, obviously, mm-hmm. and then there's bad things that cross the blood-brain barrier. But it's a sure. very sensitive system, and it's very tightly bound. So only certain things get in, and um, sometimes only certain things get out, depending on that. Um, what's really interesting about this is that I've, I've been witnessing, you know, I've been around this treatment now for over 20 years, and I, early on in, um, you know, in my observations, we would, we would see people have improved sleep and improved breathing, less pain, um, but also less brain things, less anxiety, improved depression. Numerous times patients saying to me, oh, you know, I did counseling for 20 years for this trauma that I had in my life. And this week, I just feel like I don't even, it's not even a thought in my mind anymore. And so there's definitely a structural um, component to molecular and biochemical function in your body. Yeah, And we all know, especially anybody who's been through trauma, and especially these days when we talk about PTSD, traumatic and, and traumatic incidences, is that the limbic brain or the midbrain, um, mm-hmm. the amygdala and the hippocampus, these, they hold on to these memories and they do have certain biochemical things that can happen to them under these circumstances. And so the structure greatly will, will also greatly influence the actual biochemistry of the brain and you can't really negate that. And that's what osteopaths were talking about. Um, you know, over a hundred years ago, they were defining that this, primary respiratory system actually controls can can even you can break it down to the cellular function um and and what i've noticed in patients is that early on in my career i would see these things like people get these kind of neurological benefits that just at that time we didn't know why and sleep going back to sleep was a big component of that and if people weren't sleeping they were having more actual neurological symptoms they were having more psycho neurological symptoms so anxieties and depressions and stuff like that and they i don't think they really had a clear explanation of why sleep was so important but now we know that there's a glymphatic system which is a separate lymphatic system within the central nervous system really that basically Mm. uh, filters the crud out of your brain and takes it out of your brain and takes it into your central or into the portal area or to your main um, lymphatic system, and then you get rid of it, right? And this was, I, I, you know, these things take in research, usually research doesn't hit clinical practice, sometimes 10 to 20 years, right? So they've been researching, but they, I think just in the last 15, 10 to 15 years, they found this lymphatic system. And Mm -hmm. I remember when this research came out and they they were like, so there's this lymphatic system in your brain that only works when you sleep. Huh. And this is likely the mechanism of one, mm-hmm. YNCR, helps, um, YNCR helps the central nervous system and cleans out the, the cerebral spinal fluid is that it's activating lymphatic, it's activating glymphatic wow. stimulation. And the other side effect is it helps people to sleep wow. and breathe better because yeah. we know breathing is a huge component of sleeping you well. Uh-huh. And yeah. that when someone starts sleeping, then they also get the benefit of the glymphatic system working better. Yeah. And so I, I was actually seeing this in clinical practice 20 years ago, but we didn't really know how to define that. What does that mean? 
So why would people's brains be clearing out and feeling healthier when they had improved cerebral spinal fluid flow? Oh, I see. And we can see the same thing with like cranial sacral therapy. I'm sure a lot of your listeners out there have had cranial sacral therapy and it's basically the same idea. It's just going through a different mechanism. So this is a little higher force. NCR is a little higher force. We go in through the nose and we adjust that bone. So uh, inside the nose, from what I remember, there are three mm -hmm. openings on each side. Mm -hmm. And somehow, when you go through those openings and you use these days a tiny balloon. You just balloon, use a, yeah, like a latex balloon. Yeah, mm -hmm. like your finger condoms or yeah. whatever you call yeah. those. Finger yeah, well, condom. that's what they are. Finger caught. Finger yeah. caught, yeah. Finger yeah. what? <laughs> caught. Caught. C-O-T. C-O-T. Boring. <laughs> I like the condom. We'll go better. back to finger condom. <laughs> <laughs> but you you attach it to a, a, some kind of flexible uh, something? Or yeah, it's just you? an infl small inflationary device like a single mammometer bulb, and we tie it on, and then we just lubricate it and slide it past your. I mean, the reason you can't take your finger and stick it up your but nose that's and how the they back started. of your throat, yes. they did. So they started using a technique in the early 1900s called finger technique. Yes. And finger technique was literally what it sounds like. They would just take their finger and jam it up past your bones to move your sphenoid. So they the, would go in the nose, yeah, into those openings yeah. to push the sphenoid. Yeah, the problem with that. Yeah, there is a problem. Yeah, is that, <laughs> I'm noticing all kinds of problems just thinking about it. Most people have turbinate bones, and so that's either there was a lot of bleeding, there were fractured bones, stuff like that. Um, and so nose to do this. in the stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> It was like in the 30s or 40s, they came up with this device that said, well, if we could just get past the turbinates, we could in, in, in put a small amount of pressure in there and it would shift the bone. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of hard for people to wrap their mind around, like, how does that happen? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, you got to kind of understand anatomy a little bit. Um, people will say, are you going into my brain? I'm not going into your brain. Um, and you're awake no. and you're not anesthetized. So. Right, and it actually goes very quickly. Yes, it's but very quick. But part of it is because of you've done it so many times. Yeah. But it is sort of a quick understanding from what I remember. In each side of your nose, there are three little openings. Mm -hmm. You 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 know exactly based on what you see in the person mm -hmm. that's your studies and your experience. You know exactly what opening you need to go into. Mm -hmm. And then you, you blow up the little finger <laughs> cut, right? You inflate it a little bit, yeah. It, it adds it some pressure, <laughs> uh -huh, and it moves. Sorry, and then yeah, you actually move the bone. Yeah, and, and this you is do traditionally that. a chiropractic treatment. Chiropractors, there's there's all different types of variations out there. The umbrella treatment is called BNS, okay. bilateral nasal specifics. Um, it's a little bit different in the testing and the way they do it. Bilateral nasal, nasal specifics. specifics. Okay. But uh, there, so there's many different forms of this endocranial um, technique. So NCR is one. Um, that's what I was trained in. There's um, cranial release technique. There's uh, facial release technique. And a lot of these are just offshoots of each other. And people will add in their own little specialty. But they're all under the umbrella of endonasal specifics. Endonasal yeah. specific, and that was they were originally used oh. by chiropractors. Um, I'm sure some DOs were using it in, in the early part of the 1900s, and then on, and then it went underground for quite a while, and then it started coming back out as naturopaths and chiropractors. Um, in the 80s, 70s, and 80s, there were some 
guys that were still using it for more severe problems like wow. cerebral palsy and Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, and, a, of course, breathing disorder. Mm. So that's who my mentor learned from. Fascinating. From Fascinating. Yeah. That's Dr. Hilary Lampus, a naturopathic physician who just moved back to Bozeman and now works with Dr. Bronwyn Bacon at Elevate Health, the clinic Elevate Health. You can find lots of information about these doctors and their therapies at uh, Elevate Health MT for Montana, ElevateHealthMT.com. You can also call them at 219-3631. 219-3631, they're located on the corner, well, on, at 801 West Main, which is just opposite of South 8, right down that brick building. Uh, the, good morning, caller. Thank you for holding on while we're talking. What's your name? How can we help you, please? Now, I've tried a number of natural cures, including cranial sacral, but it doesn't seem to uh, help my headaches. So I've taken a couple of pills from the standard doctor, and he just came from his computer once and said, you're sunk, which means got short-lasting unilateral neurologiform conjunctural curing. Do you know anything about that rare form of headache that seems that only uh, pills work on because uh, I don't want to keep lading and labeling on the pills. Right. You you used to call them cluster headaches. Yeah. But, they're, but they're they have changed names form. now? Yeah, they're a minor form of cluster headaches. They're okay. a rare form of cluster headache. Okay, so are they are they quite painful? or? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, cluster headaches are, uh, so obviously there's many different types of headaches. And cluster headaches are more common in men. Uh, they don't really know why. Uh, and there can be different types of them, kind of like you're experiencing. Um, it's hard to say with the treatment that I do because cluster headaches also aren't all the time. So they're not something that you... Right. Some people can have them. They come in spurts. So you'll have them and then they'll go away for a long while. And then you'll have another one kind of randomly. Yeah. Um, and so... With that, sometimes it's hard to know because when you do get treatment, um, what we would be looking for, it, unless you were in an active um, bout at that time, we would be looking for, you know, do the presence, the future presence of those cluster headaches change, intensity change, frequency change, et cetera. Um, and that would be something more, um, you know, through exam, doing treatment, and then seeing how the uh, kind of the prognosis after treatment what changes. So it's a little bit hard. And I do want to stress that there are a lot of different types of headaches and migraines. And so, um, and there's a lot of different reasons for those. I, I always like to rule out any obviously vascular issues or cardiovascular issues that could be going on because headache can be a very common problem of those. Um, but if you're having typical uh, cholesterol headaches, um, it would just depend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, the trigeminal nerve uh, acts up, so uh, sometimes it just moves down into my jaw, and, and sometimes it gets so bad, pain in the jaw, I can't chew uh, yeah. my teeth, and then I can't eat, and then worse and worse, I can't even talk, and I have to carry a little sign around saying, Sorry, I can't talk right now. Huh. Wow. Uh, let's see what we can uh, find out during the break. We got to go. There's a hard break coming up. But uh, thanks for the call, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Doctors Hilary Lampers and Bronwyn Bacon are in the studio. 
We'll be right back. So at the end of the last half hour, Daniel called, had a question about cluster headaches. Could you perhaps, uh, uh, have you had a chance, Dr. Lampos, to think about cluster headaches if you have seen success with your neurocranial restructuring, NCR, resetting the sphenoid bone for something like that? Yeah, like I said before, it's, it's a bit of a hard one. Um, cluster headaches aren't consistent. Uh, and I don't know if we always know the uh, the reason that people are having it. I think the type that he explained that he has, there is a little bit of uh, pressure in the back of the eye. Mm. And so that would be a little bit of, um, they call it, I mean, cranial. So there's pressure in the back of the eye. So mm. we don't know if there's some swelling of that area going on back there. And then he talks about the trigeminal nerve being affected. Yeah, so shooting down, down yes. into his face. Yes. Um, it's hard to say exactly because if you're having like those acute bouts and then they kind of go away for a while, we don't mm -hmm. exactly know the mechanism. Yes. Um, and that's where coming in and having an exam would be beneficial because yeah. there might be some signs that no, this wouldn't hurt or this would cause more pressure. Um, that's, that's where an exam would be indicated for sure. Uh, and there are some headaches, like he said, he takes a pill for it. There, yeah. you know, if it's more vascular in nature, which cluster headaches tend to be, some of the medications can actually be helpful because they uh, decrease the inflammation of the vascular system. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. it's, again, you know, there's need for some medications sometimes, especially when people have these, these things. But, um, looking at those basic lifestyle and are there any other imposing factors going on like other illness um, other things that the person's dealing with as well okay so yeah hmm. other vascular issues going on <clears throat> yeah i i realize that it is difficult to just do a complete write-up over here or explanation <laughs> about uh, what exactly he is feeling um but at the same time i think that you have worked with so thousands of people over the mm -hmm. years who have come up with all kinds of issues, as you mentioned before, mm -hmm. sleep issues, breathing issues, headaches, uh, um, uh, posture issues, uh, just facial pain. Mm -hmm. um, so there is probably an opportunity for him to find some relief were he to decide to get some NCR. Possibly. And the, the treatments are really simple, and I think you like to do it four days in a row, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, mm -hmm. Thursday, and then people really see the difference. I, I remember seeing the pictures on your website yeah. back then, people standing in front of this uh, frame. The with grid, yeah. The grid. And then the, the, the change in four days in their face, in their eyes, in the way they stand, mm -hmm. it's uh, fascinating. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, and that's just, you know, the pictures are helpful for people to see the change because your brain changes quite quickly. Yes. And um, we don't always do those anymore. They're very time consuming. But if I have a patient who I see and I'm like, well, you're going to really look different. We'll take a before and after picture. It can it can be helpful for them to see that change. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, you know, every case is very different. Mm -hmm. And this is an invasive procedure. So it's not for everyone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've, been in private practice 11 years i've been around it for over 20 and i will say that you know there are some people that are contraindicated and oh. 
and things that I will check for in the mm-hmm. first visit, you know, to look for. But what it, do you mean in this case with contraindicated? It's just um, not for them. That's what you right, mean? or they've got other health conditions, or they're they have uh, bleeding disorders, or they have um, acute fractures, or you know, there's maybe they just had a traumatic brain injury or something. They need there. There's further healing that needs to go on, um, and. So that's where exam or even consult where I talk with somebody beforehand, I get an idea of what's going on. Mm. Um, So we want to, you know, I do want to remind people that it is invasive, but it is very quick and you don't need medication and you walk in and you walk out and we do it over four days because there's a lot that needs to be done and it's not a surgery. So we need to train the nervous system to take on those changes and it takes a little bit of time. Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. I just want to say that we've been oh, no, I've been hearing yeah. about Dr. Lampers for years and it's been quite phenomenal to have her at our clinic. Um and I've just been really impressed um seeing her treat some of my patients where I've hit roadblocks where we haven't gotten better, haven't gotten better right. and I'm referring out to an ENT trying to figure out what's going on and I've had patients I've sent to her in the short time she's been with us that within days are seeing amazing results so mm-hmm. it's been really impressive mm. awesome thank you <laughs> <laughs> we have another caller who okay. is uh, patiently waiting uh, good morning caller what's your name please how can we help you this is michael michael good morning to you good morning my wife's been suffering from migraines <clears throat> 14 to 20 per month oh, dear. she's got it back down to about seven or eight but she's starting to max out on her prescriptions and what they can use within the last few weeks now she says her hair hurts mm-hmm. and wondering is that you know how can your hair hurt i fully understand what she's doing she's got pain you can just see in her eyes and can tell when she's having the migraines but the new thing now is, is saying that her hair hurts and then i'm thinking it might be like an ocular the the point is behind her left eye is the concentrated, but the, this weirdness of her hair hurting. Have you heard that before, or what be causing that? <clears throat> My guess is that she's having, uh, because of the chronic pain and inflammation, she's having impl- some sort of inflammatory process and obviously a neurological involvement that is increasing sensitivity of her scalp. Um, and so she's feeling like her hair hurts because, you know, you have... I don't know how many thousands of hair follicles or millions of hair follicles you have yeah. in your head, uh, but those those are all your scalp is highly innervated um, by vascular tissue or like you know blood supply as well as neurological tissue. So, um, which is why if you ever get a scalp injury, you bleed profusely. <laughs> and yep. um, it, but I think that that could be part of it. Is she's just experiencing? Um, she's experiencing. The feeling of that and it's, it feels like her hair hurts and I've heard people say that before who have chronic headache or chronic migraine is that it's just kind of a it's an overwhelming uh sensation that, that she's feeling when she has that that pain um and I'm not really sure what the mechanism of her migraine is per se but if she's having that many migraines then and the medications are starting not to work um it would definitely be worth a a, a checkup on that I've also seen people uh, tense their face when they're under really mm-hmm. chronic pain, and we can see that moving all the way back into the muscles of the scalp. So 
So it wouldn't surprise me if it could be secondary to the migraines and the chronic pain she's having. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Thank you. Hey, Michael, question. Uh, your wife has had those migraines how long? Um, 30 years. Anything happened 31 years ago? I'm not sure. No accident? Falling on the back of her head? Um, you know, that, that's one thing she keeps saying, that she never goes to a chiropractor because her um, uncle, I'm not sure the relationship, but someone gave her a quick adjustment at a family reunion. And I don't know if that was the start of the headaches or not. But she always claims she'll never go back to a chiropractor because she had one bad experience of a, I thought, totally unprofessional um, action. Yes. Especially after a glass of wine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't. uh... (laughs) Wow. That's really something. Wow. Well, so it could be structural, it sounds like. Does she have uh, any thyroid issues too? Yes. Okay. Could be. Yeah, hormones play, hormones. Hormones play a huge role in migraine. Um, yeah, it's one her. of the side effects of thyroid problems, the migraine headaches. And uh, she may come and see these doctors maybe and uh, get some idea if her medication is correct or needs to be adjusted perhaps. Yeah, they, they keep going through and, and I know they keep changing. You know, One I think is, is Topamax sound right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and is there certain limits that you can only do that for so long? But I mean, that's kind of what it is. The doctor is saying, you know, well, you've been on this, the maximum length recommended. We're going to have to try this new one or, well, the, uh, the thing is, Michael, that if the, uh, if the problem is not just an insufficiency of nutrients for the, my, for the, for the headache, uh, or for, excuse me, for the thyroid, like iodine and tyrosine, but if the issue is maybe an, um, an autoimmune disorder, such as Hashimoto's, you may use the uh, medications, but you may also have to work on some allergens you may have. She may have on her diet, and certain food that she eats may have an effect on her brain health, may cause, may trigger, may elevate it, may uh, uh, accelerate the pain that she has. And so I'm not saying that the, that the damage that was, may have been done 30 years ago uh, is not uh, is aiding to this, but there is also a possibility that uh, there is uh, something going on with our diet that may have to be researched a little bit more that could be fixed if we eliminate a few things that she is eating or taking on a regular basis that keep, uh, keep aggravating it. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? I mean, yeah. I'm talking to the sure. doctors here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yep. So it sounds like a nice visit might my- do a good history check and, and give her some options. Yeah, sometimes uh, asking a few more questions directly to the person, uh, you can get a lot of answers. Perfect. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for the call. Bye-bye. Uh, I didn't want to cross the line. I'm just thinking about that. I do know that migraines and thyroid are related, and then when doctors only prescribe medication, but they, they don't do any further check on Hashimoto's, then you could have, you know, I, 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 I have seen, um, I never have headaches. I never do, but I once took, uh, my daughter years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, she said, can you go, when you go to Costco, can you get me some Orbitz gum? 
and I uh, bought a box of gum for her. And so I took a couple and I started getting a headache. And then I found out that there was aspartame in it. Mm-hmm. And so, so many people are so habitual. We talked about it in the first hour and they eat or drink certain things. And if you have these artificial sweeteners or colorings that you take in a snack, in your favorite snack, your favorite soda, uh, your 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 favorite chips or whatever snack you have, it is very well possible that that can cause a neurological problem and can trigger the, the migraine headache. Well, and it's not always immediate, the reaction. So I'll have people that come in and will work on their diet and they'll say, you know, I took blah, blah, blah out. It didn't help. And they only did it for two weeks or some short period of time. And it can take a fair amount of time to get the symptom resolution. And then it also might not be triggered immediately. Like it might be two days later that you get a headache after consuming something. So it can get a little tricky Mm. to sort through that. But I see food triggers and things like what you're describing all the time with migraine headaches. Yes. Well, chemicals are just kind of ubiquitous in our food system anyways. Um, yeah. Th- there's all kinds of fillers and stuff that are added to all kinds of things. And mm-hmm. um, some people just react, again, going back to the gut. <laughs> some people's guts can't do well with that. And so they're getting through into the bloodstream. Some of them are even supposedly not even supposed to be absorbed, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. They, they are being. So I think uh, that's always a good first place to look, especially when you're having any type of headache or allergic type of symptom. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's right. Mm-hmm. So it's a combination. Uh, the head is very complicated. Yeah. And there is a lot going on. We still haven't figured it all out. So, but yeah, uh, probably never will. <laughs> <laughs> it's the mystery of life, I guess. Yes. Huh? yes. We have another caller. Good morning, caller. This is uh, Gazuntai with Jacobus. Uh, who are you and what's your question? Oh, hello, Jacobus. My name is Dennis, and I'm calling for a friend of mine. This is kind Thanks, of Dennis. a. A challenge. Um, it's a young lady, and uh, she seems to have a flare-up around her ankles that uh, it, uh, leads to a bleeding rash. And she's been to doctor after doctor, specialist after specialist, and uh, the nearest that they can uh, narrow it down to is uh, something to do with her blood and how it clocked. And uh, she went into remission uh, about six months ago, and she recently had another flare-up, and it's extremely painful for her. And I asked her about her body pH, and I asked her, you know, and I asked her if she uh, um, did like a a lemon juice therapy first thing in the morning before she eats, and she said she did did, uh, um, the... um, she didn't do the lemon juice, but she did the, um, the um, Olive apple, oil, cider apple cider vinegar. Okay, yes. And uh, she said she did that religiously every day, two tablespoons in the morning before she eats. And uh, so I eliminated their pH body. And then uh, so um, now I am perplexed and uh, uh, usually... And I asked her if it was autoimmune, and and she said the doctors ruled that out. They said it wasn't an autoimmune um, um, condition. And uh, and then I asked her about her iron and uh, in her blood, and she said no, her iron was okay. And uh, and so now we're I'm you know I'm perplexed. You know she 
came to me with, and asked me, you know, if I knew anything holistically, and I went through all the stuff that I know. Of course, I don't know that much, but so I thought I'd give you a jingle, and I also suggested to her to call you and ask you about it, but uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if she has yet or not. Not that I know of. If you're talking about me, she has yeah. not. No, I have not received a call about uh, spontaneous combustion in the ankles. <laughs> Can you give us your uh, your treatment for that? <laughs> I want to hear it. <laughs> no, well, I would. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I, mean, I, I would. I w- is is there also edema involved, or is it uh, there is no edema? Well, see, I asked her. I said, "Well, if this is a bloodborne, the, the doctor seemed to think it's some sort of bloodborne condition." And I said, and I thought that was kind of odd because if it was bloodborne, I would, for me, it would be logical to assume that that rash wouldn't be in one specific area. I think if she has venous insufficiency where the blood pools in your feet and your ankles because it's not being pumped back to the heart properly, you could just see it in the ankles. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah. it's actually common to see it in people that have that. You can get open wounds that almost look like, uh, yeah, like the blood vessel. The, the blood is basically just irritating the skin and then eventually it breaks through and then you have a wound. Well, um, yeah, I mean, what I've done with that in the past is like high dose vitamin C, antioxidants, hibiscus, uh, I mean, rose hips. Um, those those things tend to help heal a vascular, any kind, kind of polyphenol, um, like, you know, dark purples, dark blues, foods like that, um, Oregon grape seed and um, other rosemary and thyme and all those but we, i mean we obviously don't know if she has some kind of clotting disorder or something that's what you had said before maybe um but yeah. it sounds well, that's like that's what he was wondering right it he was not sounds there. like she is having irritation from the blood per se in that area well and it would seem if she does have a specific clotting disorder it'd be good to know what that clotting disorder is because each of them have a different mechanism and you can treat based more on that mechanism where you're supporting the body you know she might have a genetic condition that leads to her not clotting as well as the next person and then that might lead to more leaking of the vessels and having more of yeah. that irritation mm. yeah. well, so uh so she's been to these specialists and uh um that she they say that she might be over over uh indulging in with thc that might be the culprit and i i kind of i don't really think that's uh no. but they they jumped on that right away and, she, and i told her i said well why did you tell them that and she says well i'm always honest with my doctors and well so. then she should try a round of not doing thc and see if it gets better i mean that's the way to 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 experiment with their prop their diagnosis there yes have her stop the thc for two to four weeks because like i said it's probably going to take a while you know at least 28 to 32 days i would say and see if it gets better. If it gets better, then maybe they had some there, but the likelihood of that is very small. But you know, you could try a try a run and just don't take the stuff. You know, well, is she is she on medication, Dennis? That's what the doctors. Told. I didn't ask her that, and no, I don't. You know, I'm not really sure. You know, if she might have this, might be a contraindication of her ongoing medical. And she does she have uh, uh, she doesn't have diabetes or anything like that. 
I asked her that too. I said, uh, I said, uh, circulation problems are usually a condition of diabetes. She said, no, my blood sugar is perfect and, uh, I don't have diabetes. And I said, uh, are, you know, and she seemed to be pretty adamant that she's not predisposed to diabetes. And I suggested maybe, uh, cutting back on her sugar intake and, uh, but, uh, I, instead of apple cider vinegar, I suggested that she try the lemon juice infusion in the morning instead, whereas uh, where you slice up three whole lemons and boil them and then infuse them in a gallon of water and then uh, drink that instead of apple cider vinegar, yeah. kind of an alternative mm-hmm. for you know, another thing, another thing that she can do, uh, just like Dr. Lampos is saying about the vitamin C and the uh, the bioflavonoids, which help to strengthen the capillary health, uh, could be uh, taking more garlic, uh, garlic capsules, eating garlic, because garlic will purify the blood. And the other thing is um, maybe some vitamin K. If she's not on specific medication, she could take a little bit of vitamin K, K1, to thicken the blood, if there would be a problem, uh, take one tablet or so a day, 100 microgram of vitamin K1. And uh, the other possible, and she doesn't even have to do it all the time, but if she has this bleeding all the time, she could try that for a week and see if that makes a difference. And then uh, fish oil, a ta- tablespoon of fish oil a day, because it, it, it regulates the viscosity of blood. So that would be another possibility. Oil? Fish oil. So, what would be would cod liver oil be do the trick or? Yeah, not. I would just do the regular fish oil in this case for blood and and yeah. So, fifteen hundred okay. milligrams of EPA. So she has to uh, look so, at the label. Do a tablespoon a day. So, vitamin K. Now, where where can you get that in a at a, food at a health food store? No, but no, doesn't it occur? Green leafy vegetables. Green, green leafy, leafy. vegetables. Uh huh. Dark green. Like. Uh, Spinach. For example, kale. Yeah. yeah. Spinach, kale. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so. No, I got to run. I got to run. Time's running out for us. But thanks for the call, okay. Dennis. All the best. Yeah. Call the doctors. <laughs> All right. Bye bye. We're going to be right back. We would like to talk about regenerative medicine, regenerative medicine. And one of the big topics here is the PRP, the, the plasma, the, the platelet-rich plasma. Mm-hmm. Explain to us what that is. So uh, with Dr. PRP, yeah. we um, are basically using the body's own ability to heal itself by drawing the patient's blood and then taking that blood and spinning it down in a centrifuge where we spin it really fast and separate out the different components of the blood. And we're taking the platelets specifically, which is where the growth factors are and these um, healing components of the blood. And we're concentrating that in the plasma, which is basically, I like to say it's like the water of the blood or the medium that the blood is carried around the body in. And we're getting it. Is that, is that also red in color or is it white in color? What is um, it? The plasma is kind of a yellowy color yellowy. Or, okay. or, or, and I don't know if that's just from residual red blood cells being in it, but yeah, it's a little bit more of a amber color. Amber color. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, so we separate that out and we then get it into a very specific concentration, which is why it's good. We use a specific machine to do this. There are some people that do it by hand, but you can do it a lot with a lot more precision if you do it with a machine. And then we take that reconstitute, we, we, we basically get a layer on the bottom of the container and then redissolve it into the plasma. And then we take that and we inject it 
many different places in the body to get a um, regeneration of tissue from those cells. Basically, we're injecting the growth factors that then call in stem cells and the stem cells do the work to regenerate the tissue. But all of the messengers that tell the body to heal the tissue are in that those growth factors, which are in the platelets. So um, a little more explanation here, because yeah. lately the the concept of stem cell therapies, sure. injection of stem cell therapies uh, is increasing in popularity. People talk about stem cell. You talk about injecting the plasma, your own plasma with the high platelets. What exactly? You said platelets contain the growth factors. Right. And then you said something about stem cells. So where does, where How does that separate? connect? Yeah. So basically stem cells are the cells that our bodies produce that are not yet decided what they're going to be. That's Correct. kind of the simplest way to look sure. at it. And so they regenerate tissue yes. and they can recreate tissue in our body. And when we injure ourselves, the body has a whole inflammatory response, uh, which we think of as bad, but really at, at its heart is a very good, it's an important um, process within our body that tells tissue to repair itself. And how it does that in the simplest way is it sends out these messengers that say, hey, body, we have an injury. We need to fix it here. Yes. And that is done by the growth factors, which are in the platelets. So when you injure yourself, your body brings in platelets to that area, and and then they release a message that says, we need stem cells here. Then the body brings in the stem cells, and it repairs the tissue. And so what we're doing is we're creating that response as if there's been an injury. Okay. And so then okay. the body goes, oh, I need to regrow this tissue. Uh-huh. And, um, so then it naturally activates the stem cells to yeah. come and fix mm-hmm. it. Right? Exactly. Well, we have to activate the stem, we have to activate the platelets, the, the, the platelets to do it. So once we take your blood out, mm-hmm. the platelets are just suspended. Obviously, we do the spin down process like Dr. Bacon said. And then before we put them back in your body, they have to be activated because naturally within your body, they will be activated, Mm -hmm. right? But Mm -hmm. once you remove them, they then have to kind of be woken up. They kind of go to sleep. We're going to wake them up. We're going to activate them. And then we we just do that. There's, There's some ways, some people just say mechanical stimulation of like using a needle can just activate it. But we use like a calcium chloride. It just stimulates them to wake up. You can use ozone. Um, you can use a number huh. of things, but you do need to activate it so that once it hit, it gets within the dermis or the um, epidermis that it's it's then stimu- it's stimulated. They've turned on, and then they can do the same action that she was so talking about. So you activate about. the platelets. You activate the platelets, then you need to get them in the body. Then you get them yes. in the body. This is an injection. Yep, there's yeah, an right. injection. We inject right. into all kinds of places. We use this um, aesthetically for the skin to get rid of fine lines, wrinkles, to regrow the fat pads in the face. So um, when you lose, we lose volume in our face, and that is what causes a lot of the lines lower, like the marionette lines around the mouth. Um, A lot of that is loss up along the cheekbones of the fat that naturally exists in the face. And so that's why people will inject fillers. Um, This is different. This is just getting the body to regrow that tissue that was already there and regrow the collagen uh, we can use it in breast tissue to give better contour. We can use it in the scalp to regrow hair. Huh. We can use it in the joints to regrow connective tissue. Wow. We can use it in the sexual organs, both for the male and female, to improve sexual function, to reduce and eliminate incontinence, especially in women postmenopausally or after having babies. Uh. Uh, we can use it for erectile dysfunction when men are having a hard time maintaining or achieving an erection. 
it's amazing. I mean, it can be used all over the body. The hard time here is no pun intended. Yeah. Say, right? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, to speak to that, erectile dysfunction is a huge problem. It is huge. And you guys out there, you, you, most of you don't go and get, uh, you, if you do, it's been going on usually for a long time. Or we do know like Cialis is probably one of the number one prescribed drugs in the world. Um, and so oh, Viagra, I think yeah, Viagra. Viagra every six seconds, yeah. somebody in the world takes a Viagra pill every right. six seconds. I am not surprised. And you know, the mechanism of Viagra is a nitric oxide. So it's bringing blood flow in and it's keeping the it extremities. there. Yes. And so, you know, even with the PRP, sometimes we will recommend that a guy do a round of it to help keep continuously bringing blood flow into the area or something right. like that because right. during the PRP treatment, um, you're going to need continuous blood flow. So if you don't have a sexual partner or you, I mean, you have to be bringing blood flow in. So sometimes we'll recommend pumps or okay. even like, I guess, Cialis if you wanted to use it. But the whole goal behind the PRP with the erectile dysfunction is we're actually trying to improve uh vascular so angiogenesis increasing the blood flow into the area healing those areas as well as improving neurological function so some studies mm. um, have showed improved sensitivity and neurolo neurological regeneration of the penis so there's mm. many different types of erectile dysfunction and reasons for it huh. and obviously we would you would always want a workup because vascular issues tend to be the number one uh, reason. True. So yeah, if a guy is experiencing point. any type of vascular condition or cardiovascular, we need to rule that out and or work with that along with it because that's very important. I mean, so in a way, when you see all those, when you hear all those commercials on this radio stations, they're always talking about not Noxitril and, um, uh, well, Cialis, Viagra. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of these commercials on this specific radio station that I know of because I listen to it more often. But when you think about that, uh, that is that is really dangerous because people who have that and don't realize they may have cardiovascular issues, they should know, first of all, what they have before they take medication that can be that strong and cause all kinds of problems, right? Yeah, but it's so readily available now. I yeah, think sure people, it is. I mean... Most people it's probably okay with, but the problem is becoming dependent on that. And the truth is, is that sexual activity, again, we talk about health span, yeah. is people are living longer and longer and they want longer sexual lives than they used to maybe want. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. this is a big, this is a natural sometimes mm -hmm. part of aging for men. Just like when women go through menopause, they experience natural changes within their hormonal system. And, yeah. and But we do know that people want these for longer. So the PRP is really phenomenal because it actually goes in and helps to rebuild. Where do you inject it? Where is it injected in the penis? Into the penis. So we right, do, from the side? like We into... do four separate shots in the shaft, and then we do one along the, uh, the head of the penis. And wow. it sounds... Gary, so this is the other reaction I get from guys. They just look at me like, what? You're going to do what? <laughs> yes. And I get it. You're numbed, though, so you don't feel oh, okay. it. It's You're very... totally numbed, and it's such an easy procedure. Yeah. It's it's really so easy. It's fast, um, too. You're relatively. totally numbed. It's a very fast procedure. We do recommend that you get a series of them because you need to keep implementing that stem cell uh, you you need to keep calling in those stem cells um, into that area, especially if you've mm -hmm. had long-term um, ED 
mm-hmm. you've had long-term ED, you want to, you, you need to keep consistent with it. But that would be like a treatment every six weeks. We recommend at least three. And then we might advise using some of these other modalities to help bringing blood flow in and keep that up. But right. I've had a couple guys it's like phenomenal i and and not just older guys young young men young men deal with erectile dysfunction why why do you think that is the case well i, I mean do you, you don't yeah. have to make well this is the only answer but what are some of the reasons i'm sure that you do you you communicate with men younger guys in their 30s and mm-hmm. 40s who have erectile dysfunction mm-hmm. that you go what what's going on and what are some of the answers that you get or what are some of the conclusions you come to well just like we would do a vascular workup it's always uh, it's also very important to do a hormonal workup okay um we so men today mm-hmm. the average 20 year old man today i think this statistic has less than half or 75 percent less testosterone than a male his age 50 years ago Really, and we we believe that it has to do with toxic exposures in the environment. Then like men, xenoto- yes, so men are being yeah. exposed to more xenoestrogens in the environment, which obviously interfere with testosterone metabolism. And so we're seeing we're seeing so hormonal then it turns dysfunction more into estrogens instead of DHT, dihydrotestosterone. Right. So they would let's say have higher higher estradiols and Correct. They have testosterone. Correct. Yeah. Um, so a hormonal workup is also indicated, and we would do this with our women as well that are having sexual dysfunction. We need to do a, a hormonal panel to also rule mm-hmm. out and to assist and to assist with these things. As men age, they naturally start to lose testosterone. Um, and again, we would want to assess that. And do they need hormonal help? Do they need dietary and lifestyle uh, things addressed? Um, mm-hmm. Are they losing bone mass? Are they not able to build muscle? Are they having poor sleep? Are they having mood disorders and depression, which are all signs of low testosterone? But it's changed a lot, and our environment's changed a lot. And so why men are having yeah. erect... I think the other thing is stress, and I think the demand of social media and being perfect, and I don't even know how people date these days. I mean, I've been married 20 years, so it's like it's just a different environment. And I think there's a lot of pressures just like women. There's a lot of pressures on women. There's a lot of pressures on men. And if you're under a lot of stress, you will secrete hormones that will tell the penis not to work. I see. <laughs> and and yeah. penis regulation takes both sympathetic and parasympathetic neural function. Mm-hmm. And if you have an autonomic system dysregulation where maybe you run in sympathetic all the time, you know, you may be able to you may be able to get an erection, but you may not be able to maintain it. Correct. Or the vice versa. It's like you, you know, um, it's hard for you to get an erection all the time. If you mm-hmm. get one, you can maintain it, but it's hard to get it. So there's there's different components to it. And as we age, you know, these stem cells and these growth factors, they change. And, and um, the penis is kind of one of those places that vascularly can take a hit for guys. You is your have your study shown anything that uh, circumcision uh, men at a young age has taken away a lot of the sensitivity that that has an effect on it? Well, I haven't done any research on that, but I have. I mean, I've talked to men. So men that are circumcised, they don't know the difference. Right. True. I mean, you wouldn't know you 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 right. were circumcised, right? Yeah. Yeah. Men that aren't circumcised would say, yes, it probably makes a difference because mm-hmm. they have that extra tissue tissue there. And some experts will say, yes, it does definitely affect sensitivity. You're removing a large piece of neural tissue, basically, yeah, when you do that. So I would guess 
that yes, sensitivity goes down. And we have to remember too that it's not just erectile dysfunction. Sometimes guys have fine function, they have poor sensitivity and that's a neural mm. function. Mm. So we, we've had other PRP patients who they, they can get and maintain an erection, but as they age, their sensitivity decreases. That can also be hormonal. That can be, you know, not just sex hormones, but all different types of things. But that can be that the blood flow and the neural stimulation has diminished over time. And so a lot of guys don't have any interest in having sex because they don't get the same stimulation. I see. And so again, there's guys that have perfectly fine penile um, function, but they're getting these treatments because they notice increased sensitivity. Oh. Huh. So this is obviously a purely elective. These are purely elective treatments. Yeah. Um, we can't promise that you're going to, anything's going to happen for you. But what I've seen from it is that over the long term, they're pretty phenomenal. The other thing, and Dr. Bacon would agree here, I think, is that, again, um, the basics are very important here. So when I was trained in uh, orthopedics and stuff, uh, the regenerative medicine for injections and stuff like that is the guy that trained me basically says that if you don't have good cellular health and metabolism and good range of motion in a joint, if you're having pain and muscle spasms, if your cortisol is out of whack, if you have insulin resistance, um, which a large percent of the population does, yeah. especially men as they age, that yeah. can be very common, the regenerative medicine may not work that well. So we like to work. That's what's great about being a naturopath is if somebody comes in and they're like, I want the PRP for this because I have erectile dysfunction. I say, okay, great. You know, we can do it. But if they're, if I take their history and their lifestyle, it's just like, bad. and we, we need, need to, to work on things. Yes. Like, I tell them like, you will get better benefits if we work on these things. And, and, um, so and you some, become more of a coach at that point. Yeah, and I think, again, going back to the lifestyle and the basics of these things, those are super important. Um, mm -hmm. But the cool thing about PRP that I love about it is it's your own blood. Mm. It's not a filler. It reabsorbs faster. It brings in those stem cells. It initiates those growth factors. It brings in tissue. Um, you know, it's remantling tissue, basically. It's, and it's your blood. Mm -hmm. So the side effects are almost zero. Mm -hmm. okay? It's very safe. Yes, yeah, very safe. And it has about a 70% efficacy, yeah. whereas right now stem cell mm -hmm. th therapy that most of us have heard about, yeah. depending on the type of stem cells you're getting, you know, that's obviously going to improve, improve efficacy. But we know for joints, PRP is about 70%. Stem cells is about 40 Is that That's right? what current research shows. And stem wow. cells are very expensive. Very expensive. And... PRP is a sterile. We do use sterile um, procedure for it, but like stem cells, harder to harvest. It's um, it's much more sterile procedure. So the environment for getting stem cell can be very different. And to pay that kind of money, we I'm just like let's try the PRP first. Some of those those uh, regenerative medicines also aren't indicated. Mm, Some people are right. getting these things like PRP and. Stem cell, they're not really fully indicated. Maybe they have nerve pain. It's not really indicated for that. So, mm. you know, we would think about perineural with this or the prolotherapy um, for articular problems. Uh, and those, we, we do those other, I do those other injections. And so does um, Dr. Bacon. We do those uh, injections as well. So a bit of assessment is really important. Are you having nerve pain? Are you having orthopedic pain? Um, if you want the aesthetics, you know, obviously the facelift, like, 
Kim Kardashian's the one who kind of made the vampire. They're called vampire faceless and facials. That's oh. what they originally started as. Okay. Made those popular. So that's kind of what we're doing. But it's basically the PRP, what, what Dr. Bacon said about putting those into the dermis and then regenerating the collagen matrix in the skin. Hmm. And you can do that in so many places. But as joints, you know, it, it gets a little more complicated. But... I just think it's so awesome because you can use the foundations of naturopathic medicine. Yeah. You can help people become healthier and you can use their blood to heal themselves. Wow. This is almost like something we would have thought of from like a space age movie back when we were kids. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and, it. and it's, it's like actually happening. It's not out of your reach financially. It is a little bit more expensive than other therapies, but um, it's in office. You come in. It's just not not like huge surgical procedures here um and it's so do well you take within the, the blood reach. did you do you take the blood and spin it all in one visit oh yeah it's yes. all done so at it goes once. very quickly yeah yes. so basically the, the patient comes in we do an evaluation we make sure it's indicated and that it's the the proper treatment to use i might talk about these other elements to make sure we're addressing overall health um the patient is then um prepped by we we clean them very thoroughly you know if we're let's say we're going to treat the face sure we clean the face very thoroughly to make sure that there's nothing on the face that we're going to be injecting in as we do those injections yeah we then apply a numbing agent draw the blood go and spin it come back remove the numbing agent clean the skin again and do the procedure huh. Huh. very yeah. interesting dr hillary lampus and dr bronwyn bacon with elevate health right here on Bozeman on the corner of 8th and Main Street, uh, South 8th and Main Street in that building. Uh, the telephone number for you to set up an appointment or to just get an evaluation or to understand what some of these therapies can do for you, it is uh, 219-3631, 406-219-3631. You can also go to the website, Elevate Health M for Montana, elevatehealthmt.com. And I'm sure you're going to get uh, plenty of information. This is this is fascinating. I, I also want to understand, uh, maybe we can talk about it in the next segment, uh, prolotherapy. You have mm -hmm. used uh, uh, quite a bit, Dr. Bacon. You have used prolotherapy, a several other naturopaths. I don't know if you work with prolotherapy or not, Dr. Lamp. I don't do as much prolo as, yeah. as Dr. Bacon. Does. Because that is also injections and that is also something that helps with pain and joints and et cetera. But it is different. So we have stem cell yeah. prolo, we have a PRP. Um, but this is, uh, this is uh, extremely helpful. You know that this is available now for people for all different all different disorders, also injuries and stuff. So anyway, we're going to take a short break for the last half hour. So stay tuned. We will be right back. So we've been talking all about PRP and super exciting thing that we're going to be doing at Elevate Health is we're going to be having an evening of refreshments and wine where we just talk about PRP and we help people learn about it, see if it's something they'd be interested in trying out on themselves. Just have a kind of a fun little evening at our clinic and it'll start any, at 7 any p.m. male patients who want to do a little show and tell, uh, <laughs> come on over. You're not encouraging <laughs> these male patients to show up, Jacobus. <laughs> it'll be very PG. <laughs> yes, very PG. We will respect your penis, privacy. Penis generated. <laughs> well, hey, you know, come and learn about it. No, I think, I think for you. your explanation is fantastic. I I. Um, I am so grateful 
for the people who come up with these concepts and then work on them and change people's lives. This is huge in this industry today um, to come up with a therapy that you really, you, as you mentioned, there needs to be probably some change in diet and lifestyle, if that is the case. If there is a cardiovascular problem, we got to take a look at that. But it's not just about uh, the penis that we talked about in the last half hour. It is about so many aspects of the physical body mm -hmm. that we can re-stimulate with our own blood. Mm -hmm. That to me is, it makes total sense. Yeah. But, you know? Well, it's cool because it's, we're doing what the body are, we're, we're encouraging the body to do what it already does naturally. Yeah. We're just basically taking it a step further and putting those components in the area that we want to see uh, regenerated. And it can be used for so many different things. Absolutely. Um, you know, we just were talking about male sexual function, but equally important is female sexual function. Mm -hmm. And we see women losing sensation, losing drive, losing the ability to um, become stimulated, to reach climax. Um, we see a lot of incontinence issues yeah. where after trauma that happens to that area, especially from childbirth and then the loss of collagen just over time, the loss of estrogen really reduces and changes the tissue yes. in that area. Yes. And so women will start having um, you know, incontinence when they laugh or, or sneeze. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is from the collagen loss um, in the pelvis between the urethra and the vagina. And um, this PRP can actually stimulate the regrowth and the reformation of that structure and correct or greatly reduce incontinence. And then it also improves sexual function. Hmm. And um, it's, again, some very simple injections. We do uh, four injections similar to the male and um, it's so all they are in the, in the pelvic area. You inject it. We do right inject there. into the pelvic area. Yeah, okay. either side of the vagina and then alongside the clitoris and inside um, or outside. You say alongside. Inside. Well, really inside. inside. Okay. Um, and um, it's numbed. Yeah. I, I have to admit, when I was first learning to do this, I was really nervous about injecting that area. Sure. What that was, what the experience was going to be like. You know, we don't ever want to cause any pain know. to anybody. I was amazed when. Um, and and sense have seen when I've done this treatment, the women say it doesn't feel like much. Feels mm. like a little bit of pressure. Oh, um, and it's cool. You know, there's a lot of things that have been developed to try to address these types of things, fillers and and other types of chemicals that they've injected into these areas to help with uh, the incontinence and help with sexual function. And they're really finding that PRP is much safer and is is as effective, if not more effective, because we're regrowing the tissue. So we're yes. reinstating function that was already there previously. Yeah, that is so interesting too, yeah. that you are, you're actually regrowing. So uh, Dr. Lampos, you and I had a talk a few days ago mm -hmm. and you did say indeed, slowly but surely, not slowly but surely, it could be in days, You the, the body starts to regrow tissue that it has lost. Well, it's, it's an inflammatory process <clears throat> that we're creating. So yeah. we are... By by all by those platelets bringing in basically all those components to lay down new tissue and re regenerate things, there yeah. has to be an inflammatory process to happen, right? Because you have to initiate the immune system basically to be part of that. Yes. Um. And uh, it it happens gradually, so it's it's not like you get the treatment today and tomorrow it's fixed. Right. It's right. what's so cool about it is you can notice. What I, I see is people noticing steady changes over four to six weeks after. Four to six weeks. Because okay. it's an inflammatory process. We do, uh. 
we do re require that you're not taking anti-inflammatories and things like usually a week prior to your procedure is a good idea. And then for at least a week or more after, you're not doing anything to inhibit the inflammatory response. It's, it's kind of the same idea as prolotherapy. We're no, just bringing in an inflammatory yeah. response to get you know, the body to do the work. Remember, acute inflammation is there for a reason and you need it. Yeah. You have to have it in order to heal an area. It's the chronic inflammation that causes long-term problems and breakdown, but yes. we're creating an acute inflammatory um, uh, response. Yeah. And then over time, as the tissue changes, you're going to see um, improvement. So it's really cool. And like with little to no side effects, whereas some of these fillers and stuff Dr. Bacon was talking about, you know, people can have granulomas, they can get scar tissue, it doesn't yeah. absorb properly, mm. and you really just don't see that with PRP. The other thing in women to really address is that a lot of women, um, especially with childbirth, have scarring. Oh, They've had episiotomy, right. which is yes. very common in mm. hospitals. Um, and those cause women a great deal of problems. They have, they lose sensitivity, they have pain with intercourse, yeah. And so we can actually inject the PRP into the scars and we can mm -hmm. help to break down the scars. Yes. And that is really powerful for women that um, that can actually change your life, having right. that done. Especially so, with chronic pain. Exactly. And it can restore um, lubrication also, which is something that's often lost with aging, where even just standard activities can be painful because of a lack of, of lubrication, let alone, you know, sexual intercourse. Yeah. Yeah, just in general. It can yeah. be very painful. Yeah. Yeah. And then the whole pelvic floor area because so many women after childbirth uh, or after if they've had a hysterectomy, um, the the pelvic floor is really weak and needs to be strengthened and there are exercises you can do. So, but this could be helping along the way. Well, right? yeah, you use it in conjunction with pelvic PT and it can be very, you know, even more effective. And we usually recommend certain devices both for men and women that encourage the rejuvenation process as following the treatment. Again, bringing blood flow in, just like we talked about with ED, you need to bring consistent blood flow in to keep bringing in those yeah. stem cells, right? So yes. the same thing in the vaginal area. So there's some devices you can use. Um, pelvic floor therapy, uh, this, you know, using PRP, it's like a powerhouse. It's, it's like a, just like a powerhouse treatment for this condition. But if you're using it in conjunction with some of these devices or the pelvic floor therapy, and I know there's a lot of really talented, great pelvic floor therapists here in Bozeman, which is mm -hmm. great yeah. to yeah. see really because it's hard to find those people everywhere, you know? I mean, but Bozeman has some great resources for that. It can change your life because after you have a baby or have any sort of insult to that area, you know, it your pelvic floor over years too have just, like remember gravity and all that stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, it takes yeah. a toll on it. And so we just don't talk about that enough in this country about uh, the, the health of our pelvic floor and how it affects women's lives yes. as they age. And it can be painful. It can be uh, downright uncomfortable. And these are amazing therapies to help women just just change that, change your life. With yeah, that. because I think really I agree with you and I want to add to that is that too many times when women start experiencing this, either the vaginal dryness or they hit menopause or they have had a uh, hysterectomy and, and the same with men with erectile dysfunction, there's all of a sudden this idea, well, I'm just getting older and I guess it's over. And I, it, if you talk about you in the very first half hour, Dr. Lampos, you mentioned it's not about how old you get, it is the quality of life that you live. And 
there are indeed with something like this, the PRP, the platelet-rich plasma injections, can be so rejuvenating for people that there is a quality of life that comes back. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is, uh, we all deserve that if we decide that's what we want. Then that knowing that there are these options available these days, uh, you know, sometimes it, people need a dietary supplement. Some, many times it is a diet and lifestyle change. It is an attitude change. It is uh, you mentioned earlier about the past. Uh, you don't want to dwell on the past, but for some people, the past is very traumatic, and it 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 comes to fruition when they hit these moments of loneliness or uh, with a partner or the children are out of the house, and all of a sudden they are they they are uh, reconnected with some trauma from the past that they thought was gone. Mm-hmm. And so, as we get older, we have to figure out ways to deal with all this and to feel good in our body with therapies like this uh, is all part of the process in my opinion you know uh, you, you cannot just say well I'm just getting older and just that's the end of it because once you hit that slippery slope it accelerates uh, I have asked people too they say you know I'm just getting older and I said how long have you had this feeling for two years I said so how did you feel 10 years ago and they go well I felt really great so two years I said you start going downhill and once you you, you lose your footing it, it can go mm-hmm. very fast I just want to also add, because I think we have a tendency to really focus, which I think is great on these like more of this health and wellness side of things. But the other thing that's really cool about PRP is it can also be used for aesthetics, which, you know, we look to and we kind of think of as, oh, that's vain or there's this and there's that. But really when people look and feel, when they look good, they feel good. And so it's really amazing that Mm -hmm. we can, we can use this in so many different capacities, including, um, you know, scarring on the face if you've had acne or other infections in the face for fine lines and wrinkles. So for acne, people who have uh, damage to the skin for acne, Mm -hmm. how do you do that? You inject it right in those spots? Yeah, Yeah. so um, we mainly use microneedling for that. And what you do is you actually um, drip the PRP on the face. Oh. And and then you use a, this little tiny device that look, they call it a pen. It has little tiny needles on it. They're almost like acupuncture needles and they, just move very quickly oh. forward and backward and you put that against the skin and it drives the PRP into that so. first layer of, of skin. Wow. And so it's the, phenomenal. The facials for deeper dermis layers underneath and then the face, face, uh, the facial, sorry, the face lift is the deeper injection. She just described the facial, which is going to get the surface of the skin. And so, um, acne scars, rosacea, uh, people that have had chronic, you know, infections in their skin burn. So uh, originally PRP was used for a lot of wound healing and helping burn victims. And so it's, uh, it, because of all those growth factors in it, right. It's kind of like getting a skin graft Yeah, is that you can bring that in and help your skin. They use it for gum gums too. Yeah. Dental is actually one of the first dental and cardiac are some of the first places they use PRP. Yeah. Wow. I mean, when you say that, how long ago are you talking about now then? If you say it was originally used for burn victims and stuff, are we talking They've been still? used, like I said earlier, PRP has been used for a while, but it was only used in very specific... Um, Clinics or so? Well, very specific conditions. Okay. I, I don't know if a while, I'm not exactly sure if it's been 10 years or if it's I know it's been at least years, used but, since the 80s, but I, yeah, I'm not positive about time. prior to that. So was it that certain doctors finally said, you know, this should be available to anybody? Or is that... Uh, that well, no, I think what it is, is that I, if I remember correctly, um, dentists just started going, you know, how can we improve 
uh, regeneration of gum tissue yeah. and and the grafts that we're doing in the mouth and those oh. types of things. And, you know, it just, that's where it started. And then I think as that, as people have seen improvement and benefit in these different areas, then there's just been this cascade of where, well, couldn't we use it on this? Couldn't we use it on this? Couldn't we use it on this? And I think that's more what has transpired. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, we have a caller. We're coming close to the end of the hour here. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining us today. What's your name? How can we help you, please? Hi, this is Carol. Hi, Carol. Hi, dear. Hey, listen, I have a question for you today, which is, which is, um, are they talking about skin for, um, skin treatments for like wrinkles and aging or just for therapy? Uh, both. Wrinkles and aging and therapy. Okay, so for... So can you give me a price range for the wrinkles? Yeah, um, if they're fine lines and wrinkles, you'd probably want to start with the facial, which is nine hundred. Okay, great. Thank you so much for your help. You're Certainly. welcome. You All bet. Right, have a great day. Thanks. Thank, great thank you, Carol. Well, thank Love you. It. Appreciate thank it. You, okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Doctor Bronwyn Bacon and Doctor Hilary Lampus with Elevate Health on the corner of. South 8th and Main Street in Bozeman in that uh, large uh, two or three story brick building. I think it's called the Snowblower Building. Snowblow? Snow load. No load. Snow load. No load? Snow load. It has to do with the load of snow on the roof. Oh, really? I luckily got to t- talk to one of the builders who told me it was like a joke that started back when they were building the building. And Oh. Yeah. So not everybody knows. I mean, it does say that on the doors. And Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Funny. So that's where it is, uh, and, and they're on Suite 1C. The telephone number for Elevate Health is 219-3631, 3631. And the website is Elevate Health MT for Montana, ElevateHealthMT.com. And you can find more about uh, these doctors, and they have uh, Rebecca Clark, who is an esthetician, they also have Dr. Noel Butler, who has been specializing in cancer therapies, uh, alternative cancer therapies, and integrative medicine for that. So there are different physicians in the building, and uh, you can call them or check the website and find out more what you can do for your health. I think this is a very, very powerful discussion uh, because um, so many people are suffering with self-esteem issues having a hard time with aging, simply say, you know what? I'm, I don't mind that I'm getting older. I just want to make sure that the quality of my life is as good as it can be. Mm-hmm. And these are things that I can regulate, that I can determine. I don't have to be on a long waiting list. I can actually take care of myself by choice. And the, Carol asked for ranges of therapies. Could you give us uh, a, a little bit of a price range that the PRP would cost? You mentioned $900 yeah. for the face. So the, the facial is the least expensive, and that is at 900 And then the rest range anywhere from 1500 to 1900 Okay. And a lot of that cost is due to the um, kits that we need to use. Um, it is a very simple procedure, but it works much better and is much safer if you're doing it with uh, the appropriate equipment. Okay. Yeah, sterile. We we use the sterile kits, and so that's why it costs more. Um, but mm-hmm. it's a it's a much easier process to do the blood. There is a uh, text message uh, from Tom, and he says, "What are some of the causes of puffy eyelids?" 
Hmm. Good question. There's a lot of different causes. One could be structural. Again, like as as we age, the butrus is of the face. So the nose, under the nose, the mouth, around the cheekbones, they can shift and move. And as, as you know, sometimes people will quote, I'm losing my cheekbones kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so structure can be a piece of it. Uh, again, vascular issues can be a piece. Uh, what are lifestyle things? You know, do you have allergies? Um <coughs> We, you've probably heard of things like allergic shiners. These are no, I have like not. people that mm. are allergic to dairy per okay. se. They okay. have, they can get the dark circles with a little bit of edema under the eye. And so sometimes we, we definitely want to look at gut health. We want to look at, are there any allergens that are present? Yeah. You could get it if you have chronic sinus and breathing disorder, which I see a ton of people will have more circles and fluid under the eyes when their sinuses do not drain properly. Mm. And so they have patent sinuses. You can see that. I mean, there's does the does the 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 eyelid under the eye does that have to do also with uh, kidney health? I heard that once in macrobiotics. Well, you think of days. fluids. The kidneys regulate fluids, and so when you're starting to see any kind of swelling or bags anywhere that contains fluid, kidneys are always something to think about, especially as people get older. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be just that, like again, gravity, right? Like your bone structures changed. Maybe you've had some injuries over your lifetime um the skin starts to lose collagen and elastin and starts to sag and so you get more of a bag underneath the eye and the prp uh can really help address that a lot and cr can actually help address that with the facial symmetry and the cheekbones oh wow Uh, so it's kind of there's there's a lot of different reasons Mm. um wow i think it's very very powerful you know, this is we. I, I hope you come back and talk more about this. I You'll do be know, happy to. Yeah, yeah, there is uh, there is another topic we want to discuss with mm-hmm. the two of you, which is Alzheimer's, yeah. because there is a uh, you working with something. What is it called? Yeah, we Cogn- do we do the cognoscopy, which is the basically the assessment, the pre-assessment of cognitive decline, or if you are actually experiencing cognitive decline, and um, how these uh, these parameters can actually uh, decrease your chances of getting it or actually reverse it. And well, we got to um, talk about that. That yeah, is, the, time, that is the last, that is the biggest part of aging is your brain health, honestly. So we'll talk about it when we come that. back next time. Thank okay, you both for being here. Yeah, thank All the you. Best. Yeah. All right. yeah. Okay. All right. We'll be back next week, Saturday. See you then.